Hi guys, and after a two-month layoff, because I was very selfishly having some building work done, we are back with the latest edition of Pull the Pin, and this week we are pulling the pin on lockdown. So, what can I say about this week's guest? He's toured the globe with the likes of Nike, Adidas and Red Bull, We've had to shake his rectum on the way into the studio to make sure there's no contraband in there. More on that later. He's become the voice of the independent fitness industry, which is ironic because the only thing dodgier than his knees is his accent. <laughs> See what I did there? It's only Nick Whitcomb. How are you, Nick? Oh, good, Al. Thanks for having me. Do you want to introduce yourself? Because mine was terrible. <laughs> yes, your thing. Uh, my name is Nick Whitcomb. I own Body Tech Gym on the world. Oh, we're okie doke. And your accent actually is not as good as the one I just did. <coughs> so anyone can be a bit close. more scouse. Did I, did I pull that off? Or I'm normally quite good with accents. See, everyone's nodding. It's fine. I think I got away with that. Can edit that out later. Um, so, right then, why are you here? Um, as I said, you've become pretty much the voice of the independent gym industry. Do you want to give us like a quick overview as to sort of what's happened over the last how I ended few, up there, few months? Yeah. There, yeah, basically <laughs> how you ended up as the voice of the gym industry. It's not as good now. It's gone really high pitched. Plus, I have to sort of do that as well when you. That's what we've got to do. Yeah, have to, yeah, exa- yeah, 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 have yeah. to do that. Yeah, exactly. Have to do the, the, the movements. So, go on, tell us <laughs> yeah. what happened this year then, Nick. Where to begin? Uh, tier three, I suspect. I always knew this year it ending tears. <coughs> yeah, well and truly. So, <laughs> see what I did there. Dad Doesn't matter. I'm here yeah. all week. Uh, we in Liverpool got pushed into tier three before any other city in any other uh, region in the UK, as you probably know. And leading up to these restrictions being enforced on Liverpool, uh, we obviously heard about it in the news. There've been whispered, whispers about it on TV, uh, and. With the pending news of it coming, uh, both of our mayors tweeted out and said, look, we haven't agreed to this package. It's going to destroy our city. It's going to take us back to levels of unemployment we've not seen since the 1980s, which were extremely difficult times for Liverpool. And we were like, well, if our leaders are saying this, then this really must be catastrophic what's coming for us. And Hasn't one of those subsequently been arrested as well? The, he has indeed. I he yes, had. yes, yes. <laughs> he's, uh, For something he's, completely unrelated. Yeah. Other mayors are available. <laughs> I believe he stepped down, though. He has stepped down, yes, uh, after being arrested. Yeah, but for our leaders to come out and publicly say, look, we're completely against this, we haven't agreed to this, you know, that, that that's, as far as politics go, that's a big deal. They don't usually point the finger at each other, especially, you know, within their own house. Um, so we were concerned for that statement alone, but we were comforted by the fact that, as it stood, Tier 3 legislation stated that the closure of our industry, the health and fitness industry, would be up to left, left to local authority to decide. Mm. And we knew that we had the mayors on our side. We knew that we had our local MPs on our side. We're going to be fine, no problem. Now, the day before the restrictions were to come in, Boris made the announcements. And as part of the sectors that were to be forced to close, he mentioned our entire sector, gyms, fitness facilities, leisure centres, all must close now. Which is really strange, because after Boris got COVID as well, he admitted again he was very overweight. It's quite common knowledge that you're more likely to have an adverse reaction to COVID if you're overweight, amongst other things like age and underlying illnesses and so on. But then he did a photo shoot in the gym after he came out saying he needed to lose weight and that gyms were really important up yes. to this point. So it was kind of quite a contradictory thing to do. Oh, 100%. So, so at this point now, and I mean, I'm not too sure where the numbers sit now, but we were somewhere, I mean, in terms of uh COVID mortalities, the correlation between the mortalities and obesity was like 70, 80% of cases. Mm-hmm. So like straight away, we were like, hang on a minute. 
which just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense. So, ninety percent of people, as of <coughs> yesterday, ninety percent of people as well who have passed away have been over sixty-five. Which, you know, again, there'll be lots of people in that bracket that do use the gym, but it won't be the majority of people as over sixty-five using those type of gyms, I guess. Of course, yeah. So, so looking at it initially, we were like, this doesn't make sense, but obviously, we're not qualified to make that kind of decision. So, mm-hmm. what, what, what do we do from here now? We banded together all the independent gym owners in Merseyside. We got everybody into a WhatsApp group and said, "Look, what do we do? What, what's the, what's the what's the most tactical and sensible and safest way to move forward from this, knowing that this isn't right?" Thing is, well, that was a very difficult thing to do because, as you know, I've been spent thirty years in the gym industry, and as you know as well, a lot of gym owners don't get on, no. especially regionalised, you know, they really gyms. Yeah, on. they really, really, really do not yeah, get on. So, so that was again. This is, and again, down to you, I think, really. Um, there's been unity like we've never seen before. Yeah, and that, that's that's one of the many silver linings that have fortunately mm-hmm. come out of it. And as you say, we are we have especially in Liverpool, we had a lot of hostility between the independent gyms and the independent gyms hated the corporate gyms. Everybody yeah. hated each other. Yeah, 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 yeah. You no, know, n- n- neglecting the fact that there is more than enough to go around. Like, it, yeah, the fact that we're even in dispute with each other is nonsensical. Do you know what I mean? There's yeah. enough. There's enough of a pie for everybody to get a slice and eat well. So, so who started that? Did you then? Did you kind of make the call to everyone and say, "Look, yeah, we, we pulled a, a few here. people in and was like, look, yeah. you're friends with this guy. He's friends with that guy. Let's get everybody in and see if we can find a way forward." And, and within thirty minutes, everybody sort of working together, right, making suggestions, and everything was was. Can you do Brexit next? Actually, do, do Brexit, then the Middle East, or the Middle East, then Brexit. Either or is fine. You don't but want yeah, a gang of scousers hanging Brexit. I, I yes, promise you, you that do, much. couldn't do a worse <laughs> job. No, you don't want that, though. Yeah. So, anyway. Uh, you, found, yeah, you have those fish. We love these fish. Yeah. You have don't fish we in the middle. This. Yeah. Got so I, right. That's Manchester. <laughs> so, we're, we're the day before the restrictions now. It's like, right, first things first, let's contact the MPs, let's, com- let's contact the mayors, see what they say. We reached out, we got nothing back, and then they're publicly tweeting again. We didn't agree to this. It says in the legislation that this decision should have been up to us. We were given no choice. Mm. Now, we were like, is local authority lying or is central government lying? Because central government was still saying it was up to, it was up to local authority. It's on them. Yeah. So there was they were, they were both pointing fingers at each other and we're like, who do we believe? Do we believe yeah. our city's leaders, leaders? Do we believe central government? And they don't make it easy to believe <laughs> anyone, do they really? No, they it's... don't. No, they don't at all. So we were, we were left in the difficult situation of... Do we believe local? Do we believe central? Do we go against the legislation? Do we stand with the legislation? Now, we looked at some of the numbers. We looked at government's numbers. We had a look on the uh, Office of Financial Statistics. And at the time, the data that they published said that the health and fitness sector was responsible for only 1.7% of the entire country's infection rate. And we had like hospitality at like 36%. Mm -hmm. Uh, Education was, was up there in the 30s as well. There's all these other sectors that were open that didn't have the health benefits that we did, but they were still allowed to remain open. So we're like, something's not right here at yeah. all. So we looked at we looked at the Office for National Statistics data. We looked at the NHS data. We reviewed the data from our trade body, UK Active, in terms of how many visits had been. And at the time, there was, I think, there were 30 million gym visits and there was less than 250 confirmed cases. Now, just from an infection standpoint, we know that we weren't contributing much whatsoever. We were in the lowest sectors. So for that alone, it didn't really make a whole lot of sense. And then when you take into consideration the health implications and negative health implications of closing our sector down. It made even less sense. Mm. And obviously central governments have pushed this narrative since the start of the year. We must protect the NHS. We must save lives. Now to be pushing that narrative all year long and then pulling out one of the fundamental pillars of support to the NHS at the same time, Mm -hmm. 
it was confusing to say the least, you know, maybe there's something we're not aware of, but as it stands, all the data that we're looking at says that to close the health and fitness sector now is going to be catastrophic to national health. You know, it's going to be detrimental to both the physical and mental health of the nation. Economically, it's a catastrophe as well for the amount of jobs that were lost and the a good portion of those employed within our industry are first and second year PTs. Now you mm. needed two years um, accounts as a self-employed personal trainer for you to yeah. then qualify for the fellow. So we had tens of thousands of people that fell into the gray area where they get no support whatsoever. So we made the decision. We said, look, what do we do guys? Do we, do we stay open? Do we defy the law? Do we risk getting these fines? And at the time we didn't really know how much they were going to be. And every single person in there with no exceptions was like, we have to do this. Yeah. Well, the fines were really low originally. I think in the first lockdown, people were getting fined like 30 quid and you just think you just pay the fine. Yeah. You know, there was no real deterrent, but I guess you found out then the second time around the fine for the business staying open was, I guess, a lot more. Yeah. So did you get fined? <laughs> yes. Yeah, so did, we, you, did you get fined more than once? We would have been, had they had their way, we had 21 visits in total from the police, which would have equated to, I don't know, you're talking surplus £150,000. Were any of them your members or had been your members? The police. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I won't name them, but yeah. yes, yeah, 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 yeah. Awkward for them. Yes, really. Very, it's a very difficult situation for the police to be in, and I said this with a lot of the press that we did because it would have been very easy for us early on to make this a battle of us versus the police. Yeah, and it's not the police's fault. It's and again, nothing to do with and, the and police. Again, this is kind of no one's fault. I get the fact that it's hard to, you know, once you start cherry picking industries, where does it stop? Because everyone can put a case forward can't they I guess you know for sort of staying open but I do think and I know they can all say but you can train outside yet yeah, you can go for a walk you can you can go cycling and stuff like that but it's a lot harder in the winter when it's hammering down with rain you know we were lucky in lockdown one that weather was amazing and, yeah. and actually it was easier that time of year um and a lot of people again still don't really have access to go out into the country and and whatever so um and it's fairly easy to social distance in a gym to yeah. be honest, you know, and clean stuff. Gyms are probably some of the cleanest places going anyway because the people, you know, wiping the benches down after they've used them and, you know, there's always, the, there were towels and sprays around, I'm guessing, you know, before COVID even existed, yeah, yeah. people clean gyms. We, and we were, we were the one of the last sectors in the entire country to open. So we opened on the 25th of July, I think it were, and we had some of the, some of the most <clears throat> detailed measures that we had, yeah, had yeah, to yeah. implement because they assumed we were a breeding ground for it, which yeah. obviously the, the, the science indicates that we're not, but we were still given these measures to put in. And in doing that, we've made them even safer than they were originally, and they were extremely safe. And that is testament to to our entire industry and how everybody's banded together and why, we, why we've contributed so little to the infection rate mm -hmm. whilst at the same time alleviating tons of strain off the NHS. So, so... We never should have been opened last. We certainly should have been, should not have been closed again. And <clears throat> the fact that the video that I released the day before the restrictions were imposed and I said, look, we're not closing. We can't. Mm. It's going to be catastrophic for so many different reasons for the, the physical health implications, mental health implications, the economic Im implications. There's so many reasons why we shouldn't close. So we stayed open and I put that video up and that went viral straight away. That got millions of hits within 24 hours. That, that was crazy. And that is, I mean, there was nothing interesting in that particular video. So it's not as it if people It was pretty dull, to be honest. Yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah, I still watch that now and I'm struggling to stay awake. <laughs> and then we had the, the police the next day, which is where things got uh, significant exposure, should we say. So the police visited in the morning. They said, look, Nick, there's only three officers. We've come to give you your first official warning. There's no fines. He yep. said, but we're, we're going to come back tomorrow. We're going to give you your first £200 fine. We'll come back the day after that, give you £400, so on and so on. And I'm like, 
okay, no problem. That's, that's no, no problem with us. We'll see you tomorrow. And did you pay those or did you intend to pay those? Or Yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we would have. It was, that, <clears throat> it was, initially it was just the principle. It was like, look, if we're all agreeing to do this in this chat, then whoever is subject to the first fines, we're going to split that between us. Okay. So it yeah, wouldn't have been yeah, yeah. me paying my fine or one of the other uh, campaigners paying their fine. We'd have split that across the entire group. Okay. Because we figured that was the fairest way to do it. Yeah, if we yeah, were all going right to stand up, yeah. Some people were in places where they get more calls because they're on a high street. Some people are tucked yeah. away nicely and we, t- to share the risk. Yeah, okay. Yeah, it's a great idea. Between us, yeah. So the police come first day. They were really nice. Look, Nick, we know it's nonsense. We've seen what the mayor's tweeted. We know yeah. you shouldn't be closed, but, you know, we're just doing it. Ticking a box. I'm like, guys, don't worry about it. Do you know what I mean? No yeah. Problem. We'll see you tomorrow. They left. Three hours later, they come back, seven or eight officers, all from the armed division of the police, all equipped with the big fancy yellow holsters for the tasers and everything else. And it was, obviously, it was a show of force, or at least intended to be. They come in once again. Nick, we're really sorry. We've been instructed from, you know, way, way, way above our pay grade that we need to come and shut this down straight away. Mm-hmm. We need to we need to come and give you, we've been instructed to give you your first thousand pound fine if you don't shut immediately. And I'm like, I've got members in here right now. I'm not asking anybody to leave. I said, mm-hmm. and we went on a bit of back and forth. And I said, tell you what, <clears throat> if you let everybody finish what they're doing now, I'm not asking anyone to leave or finish early. I'll close for the day and I'll reassess. Yeah. We can't do that, Nick. I'm really sorry. We're gonna, you know, if you don't ask them to leave now, I'll have to issue the fine. And I was like, how much is the fine? It's a thousand pounds. So what happens to 200? Uh, it's a thousand. I never got an explanation for that, by the way. I said, give me one minute. So I called a couple of the other guys from the uh, WhatsApp group that we had, Theo and Chris. I said, look, I'm about to get the first fine. Are we definitely doing this and we're doing it together? Yeah, do it. No matter what. Gents, I'm going to have to take the fine. Yeah. You know, issue, issue me with the fine. I said, if you don't mind, I'm just going to document this. I'm going to take a quick video of you and pan into the gym <clears throat> just to document where we are. I said, protect yourselves, make sure everyone's socially distanced, pull your mask up. You know, we, we were, they were super respectful with us as we were yeah. with them. Took a quick clip. I had a conversation with them. I said, look, how often can you can you give me these fines? Because they double on every visit. Mm-hmm. Can you step out the front door, come back, give me two, again, yeah, four, yeah, yeah. Ten minutes later. Yeah, yeah, and the maximum is 10,000, and then that can be issued. He said, I don't know. Calls the legal department, comes back in. He said, every three hours, Nick. So it's a maximum of 10,000, and we can then issue that every three hours. So it's a 24-hour facility. That's 80 grand a day. Yeah, okay. We'd have been sank in a day. So at, at that point, it was like, right, well financially we're never going to be able to pay this but we're going to have to do this out of principle and at that moment right then it was only myself who was subject to fines and was it so basically because the police are there then was it automatically a criminal matter not a civil matter so this is where it gets interesting so i said to him i said look before i make this decision to take this fine can i be arrested because i was still on license from a previous offense at the time just coming to an end he's like nick no matter what as long as you provide your details you cannot be arrested for this it's not criminal okay i said if it's not criminal if the front door's shut can you issue me with a fine? He said, no, Nick, not whatsoever. So from that moment onwards. Interesting. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> thank you, Mr. Officer. As well. <clears throat> so from that moment onwards, I put the video up. That went to three and a half, four million hits, 24 hours. That's when the press got on us. But most importantly, what we took from that was if the doors are closed, then they can tick the box and they can leave. So over the six days that followed, we had another 19 visits from the police. But they couldn't get in. They couldn't get in. So they, they, without naming any names or any times, they knew we were open, but they knew they also had to tick the box. Did they ever come in disguise and pretend they were coming for a workout? Quite, then- the, quite the opposite, in fact. <laughs> we'll get this. They come and check the doors, and then they look up to the cameras, and they'd wave. Oh, no. We're going. Yeah, and then they'd leave. With a very feeble push. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it appears it's to closed. be locked. Yeah, yeah it's closed. Let's- so 
we managed to skip that, as I say. So if, if they'd have managed to get in every time, if we if we weren't lucky enough to be windowless on the ground floor, we'd, we'd have amassed a huge amount of fines. And that isn't, that wouldn't have been beneficial to us or the police. That would have just continued to create animosity between us and the police. And we didn't want that. No, of course. Not. And again, I know it looks like, again, and it's nice because obviously you know you're pretty, we know you well and you're a very um, humble, hardworking um you know, professional guy, you come across brilliant, which is why, again, this is... Someone's been telling you lies. I, I know, I, I never say nice <laughs> things to people either. I'll take it all back later. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's it's not like you're just looking to be difficult. Yeah. As well, you know, some people just look to be difficult. But, and I get this, that was obviously far from a perfect system. There's lots of weakness in this system. But here you're just kind of looking to get a bit more clarification um, and I think, you know, again, enough's enough. I mean, again, you can see now with this infection rate's rising, people are sort of pretty sick of it. And I do, you know, I do get it. I understand why. Um, but yeah, the lack of clarity, yeah. you know, and the gym industry, we know, is, is one, but there's there's a lot of lack of clarity out there, which does is, is very bizarre. So, um, so the, yeah, 19 more visits, they leave again. And is it just your gym that's kind of getting the bulk of the attention because you're sharing this online and it's getting traction? So you're the one now that's really getting targeted? Yeah, there was, there was three of us that went... <clears throat> very public about it at the beginning and where I am I'm on a high street so I was I was target number one mm-hmm. obviously we started getting tons of press every single station was covering it not just locally nationally globally we were we were absolutely everywhere why, why it sparks so much interest I'm not entirely sure but for the most part I like to think it's because it's such a serious matter and we all understand yeah. how serious it is and it may have just been Liverpool at the time that we're being pushed into tier three but Greater Manchester followed Lancashire followed in the following week we knew that this yeah, wasn't London just going to stop. Yesterday. Yes, yeah. this was not just going to stop at Liverpool. And if we just let it, if we just lay down and took it, then that would spread across the country and everyone that went into tier three would be subject to the, to the same restrictions. And that, that wasn't right. And <clears throat> I, I personally felt that we had all the data on our side. We had the scientific literature on our side. The only thing that could have derailed the campaign is us turning against each other as an industry and as mm. a community. Now, if we'd have started fighting the police or fighting the mayors or fighting within the local gyms, like that could you have derailed. You look like a bunch of hooligans. You do, yeah. yeah, you, yeah. you look like you're being reckless. So uh, very early on, we we really prioritised pushing the narrative that, look, we're standing together. We're with our MPs. We're with our mayors. We're with our police. Our industry stands together. Our people stand with us. And that's why I think we, we won so quickly. Like yeah, it, it took and that came days. across really well, to be fair. And that, that's the best way to do it, in my opinion. That's the most effective way to do it. If you want to start fighting locally to change policy, that's that's central. Mm-hmm. It doesn't make any sense. No. Do you know what I mean? You need to you need to unify locally to change things centrally, and that, that's the only way to get things done. And I think Liverpool especially suffers from too much internal squabbling. Like oh yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah, much sure. that we yeah. could change if we actually turned our voices outwards yeah. rather than, you know, at each other and you know, we're, we're the same. Did the council ever come down or was it just it was only ever the police from day one? The council couldn't get in. Okay. So council so council could turn it from a civil offence to a criminal offence. because you barricaded the door and put, put all the 20s. What you should do is basically they should have put like a set of scales by the front door and a bench with sort of 100k on. If they could, <laughs> if they, they could bench the body weight, they can come in. If they can't bench the body weight, they can't come in. Yeah, you'd have no chance with the council. Yeah, I, I, I had... Uh, <laughs> I had a difficult run with the council on maybe day five uh, with our environmental health team from part of Wirreborough Council. Um, one of the members who was in our WhatsApp group had called environmental health on the Monday for an update on policy. It just so happened they'd walked into a staff meeting of six or seven members of staff, accepted the call by accident in her pocket, and we had the entire hour phone call on record, which basically for the first 15 minutes, they just defamated my character, talked about my past, how that was... Relevant to relevant, the situation, yeah, yeah, I had yeah. no idea. They mentioned the fact that 
I mean, this is just as we, we'd found out that we were going to win. And obviously we generated like 55 grand in, a, in a, a charity fundraiser pot that was meant to be for us as the gyms. And I said, look, we've won. Logic would suggest we don't have to pay these fines. Every single penny of this is going to charity. So they were aware of that. And they also stated in the meeting after slandering me that they were going to have some. Just clarify, you didn't spend that money on a holiday, did you? Or a Range Rover? Just to so, clarify, he has not spent that money yes, on a holiday. Yeah, I, know, not spent I know people were attacking, yeah, attacking yeah. you for that. but we'll So I said, I said, look, we're going to give it away. So as part of this, this meeting, they were saying, well, we've got someone working on taking the money away. And that's what bothered me. It wasn't the defamation of character. It was, hang on a minute, we're donating £53,000 to mental health charities across our borough. And you want to try and take that away because in their words, I'd embarrass them by making their their branch of the council look redundant, essentially, because mm -hmm. they couldn't come in and force it because the doors were closed, but we were still open. So it was embarrassing for them. And I do understand that. But at the same time, what we were doing, we were doing in the interest of national health. So that yeah. should have been like, pride doesn't matter. Let these guys do what they need to do and look at the bigger picture. And that gave us a lot more bargaining room with the council to be noticed. And that again went viral because there's, there's a whole lot of people in there who, who wanted the anti-authority spin. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've got to be careful. And yeah, it wasn't I, about that. It wasn't, it wasn't about, no. no. And I, I, got, I got pushed to release that tape. I got offered money by the press to release that tape. I had a whole lot of people really disappointed in me that I didn't release a tape. And I met with the head of the council and I said, look, I've been offered free legal representation by nearly a dozen solicitors to take mm. you to court and sue you for defamation. I've been offered money by the press for these tapes. I said, I've, I've spent... And up until this point now, I spent the last two months of my life campaigning for, for good mental health. Mm. And this is, to, this is to the leader of our council, who at the time had taken herself off Twitter because she was subject to abuse because of the tier three measures that she mm. had nothing to do with. I was yeah. like, if I release this tape, there's five people not only losing their jobs a few weeks shy of Christmas, they're going to be subject to abuse online, potentially abuse in person. And I, and I gain what? Just for me to gain a bit yeah, of money. Yeah, yeah. Do you know what I mean? That doesn't help anybody whatsoever. And a lot of people would have shared that. Yeah, 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 exactly. And that, that would have that would have destroyed five lives. Five people, people likely have families just before Christmas. They probably never get a job in, in that similar sort of industry again. And that, what would I have benefited from that? You know I mean, I'd take no satisfaction in ruining five lives after spending every hour of my life for the past two months campaigning for good mental health. That would yeah. make me... And trying to save lives. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It, 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 made, it made no sense to me. And a lot of people were disappointed in me that I didn't release that. But now I've got council on side, the mayor's on side, £53,000 that we're going to use for charities. Yeah. The council are going to contribute their services towards it and we can make our borough at least a better place to live in, mm -hmm. do you know what I mean? And we can work together rather than, as I say, fighting each other locally. There's no point. We're just trying to do a good thing and maximise the reach and impact that we had mm -hmm. with the exposure and the money that we generated. And I think that was the best way to go with it. Yeah, yeah no, I mean, yeah, absolutely fantastic that um, that, that you've, you've done that. Um, and then... Obviously, lockdown finished. I saw the debate in Parliament. I watched it again yesterday. Um, it's quite strange when um, we won't mention his name, but the um, yeah, yeah, the MP for he, he uh, who shall not be named. <laughs> he shall not be named. Had got a very pre-prepared um, yeah, script just, and just wasn't prepared to look at, at at any of the evidence. Um, you know, in in, in terms of Jim's, um, but obviously now you're open. You can stay open now. I think in all tiers of Correct. lockdown. So unless there's another national lockdown think I'm right in saying that now the gyms are probably pretty safe. Yes, Don't we are safe. Temp fate. We were led Apart from yours, because they're going to be gunning, be gunning for you, obviously. They're gunning for me anyway, yeah, yeah. We were led to believe by uh, Sir Lindsay Hoyle, who's the Speaker of the House of Commons, who we met with in Chorley. He said, from 
where we are right now, there is no discussion of a national lockdown. Like no matter what, they're going to try and localize the lockdowns even further. So at the minute, it's regional. Mm-hmm. They're going to look at going city to city. So there's less because um, you're going you're to get some areas where they've got a dense population in the city, and on the outskirts, you've got farmland, but they're still subject to the same restrictions. So he said they're trying to come away from broader lockdowns and you know make them more localized and yeah, which more makes sense. Yeah, which would be perfect. So. In theory, and take it with a pinch of salt, they're telling us that there's never going to be another national lockdown in this country. I don't think they'd get away with it, to I be don't. honest. I'm not really sure how enforceable the first two were. I think, and also, they don't work. Yeah, well, we you know, know they, that. They Otherwise, they clearly we wouldn't don't work. It wouldn't be a third one. Um, and, I, and I know it's probably the hardest sector to shut as well, but I think, you know, education has got a lot to answer for. I think over the summer, everything stayed fairly low, even after the second, yeah, the lockdown ended. Um the first lockdown rather. And then, um, yeah, come September when everyone went back to school. I know, again, you could say people also went back to work. Yeah. Um, they... But you can see the case is absolutely spiral. And as long as you've got sort of kids running around, their kids are kids, they'll do what they want, um, potentially carrying it. Um, yeah, they were. The ONS published in September that education responsible for like 45% of the infection rate in the entire country. Well, hence now, as of this week as well, obviously the now the councillors are shutting schools and now potentially the council's being sued by the government for shutting schools without permission. But you can see the infection rates, yeah. um, you know, with it it, within the itself. schools. And this just goes round and round and round. Um, do you think there's ever a point with this where you've almost just got to sort of bite the bullet and just say, do you know what? People just can't live like this. And it's not for us to decide, obviously, but people can't live like this. And it's just got to be, yeah, be careful, but go to the gym, go to school, go to work if you can. But ultimately... This is just something we've got to live with, and unfortunately, people are going to lose, you know, going to lose their lives because the, the, you know, it seems to me like the 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 cure is ten times worse than the actual disease. Yeah, hundred percent, and that's that's been highlighted by the likes of uh, former Prime Minister Theresa May. She stepped up in the House and said essentially that look, all all of the recognised health bodies are saying don't do national lockdowns, mm. and here we are doing another national lockdown. And I, I don't know whether you've seen it that uh, Boris stood up. 10 seconds into her speech and walk straight out. So, you know, it was a really rude thing to watch. Um, but I think, I think yes, I think we should have isolated the elderly mm-hmm. quite early yep. on, those who were vulnerable. I think the amount of money that we've wasted, I mean, I think we're, we're surplus 15 billion on the track and trace app that didn't work now. Yep. I think if we'd have utilised that better and put that towards home care packages for the vulnerable yeah. and pushing, you know, a, a, a workout to help out scheme, getting the nation fitter would have been a better use of money and we'd have seen less of a health decline, less of an, uh, an economic decline. I think there'd definitely be better ways to do it, although in hindsight it is easy to, easy to say that, but I think the best thing that we can take from this is we weren't healthy enough as a country. Uh, completely. And, and, and funnily enough as well, something that um, we noticed you will have done as well, when the first lockdown happened, People could kind of go one or two ways. You know, the gym's closed. The weather was amazing. But, you know, people were working from home and the streets were deserted pretty much. You could then really get into health and fitness. And there was the opportunity. And lots of people did for the first time, actually. Um, A friend of mine's a chiropractor and she said she's busier than ever because there's all these (laughs) kind of, you know, 40, 50, 60 year olds now getting into it. They're all injuring themselves because they've never trained before. But fantastic to all of a sudden then. Because I think when there was the you can train for an hour a day or go outside for an hour a day. Because it was kind of the only real reason you could go outside. Everyone did. You were so actually, a lot of people did get fitter. A lot of people got fatter. Yeah. <laughs> so a lot of people then did get the extra lockdown weight um, because, you know, staying at home, eating more. It's like the fridge is calling to you. Um, and potentially this year, by the, the that lockdown, um, 
I said a lot of people did probably put weight and actually put us in a worse position going into the winter, which is always going to be bad anyway with yep. the seasonal flu and whatever, more out of shape than they were at the start of the year. And we probably made this five times worse. 100%, yeah. And, and I hope that now, given, I think you'll agree with me, given how obvious it is that we weren't prepared for this from, yeah. from a health perspective, that the government will continue to push next year. I mean, the vaccine's here now and, the, you know, the, the, they're they're thrilled and whatever else. Are they just going to forget now that they've spent the last seven months pushing exercise and good diet and everything else? Is that, is that just going to go completely off the agenda or do we get to 2021 and say, right, we're likely going to experience another one of these pandemics again? Yeah. At some point, yeah. regardless, if you're looking on a long enough time scale, we're going to, we're going to experience this once again. So let's be prepared. Mm-hmm. What it will cost us to be prepared for this is going to be significantly less than, than cure. And prevention is obviously significantly yeah. cheaper and more effective than cure. So all of 2021, I think if we don't see central government pushing health, pushing fitness, pushing, you know, a, a, a basic level of nutritional information across, you know, the channels that they have access to, I think that will be disappointing to say the least. I don't see how they can't now, given everything that they've said for the last six, seven months. But, you know, as you, as you said before, trusting anything that, that government's saying, trusting them to do the best thing is a little bit, up in the air. The thing, I mean, again, it's an impossible decision. And again, why anyone would want to be a politician is beyond me, to be perfectly honest. Um, although you, you probably might have a good calling for one, I think, uh, judging by the, <laughs> the success you've had this year. But um, yeah, currently, you might not know about this actually, but there's something that uh, the industry's facing now coming up called HFSS. And it's um, one of the reasons that we developed Carb Killer in 2015 was in line with government legislation to um, help people make better decisions regarding sugar. So obviously, you know, People eating chocolate and sugary foods is a big thing. We developed carb in, in 2015 after two years of work to give people a you know a healthier alternative to, to chocolate. Basically, trying to get sugar out of people's diets because, as we know, sugar is the enemy. Um, did that, and uh, yeah, there's now legislation coming in force probably in the next year or so, which will be having a whole campaign uh, starting next year. Which um, James, you know, a, a, a PR and comms expert. I'll never call him an expert again, but he is an expert, <laughs> uh, has been sort of working on uh, in order to stop. And in a nutshell, this is going to be, um, it, the, the government are targeting um, high-fat, salt and sugar foods, which is fair enough, um, how they're advertised and how they can be promoted. So, as you know, not having buy one, get one freeze and all this and encouraging people to have more sugary food, completely get all that. What they haven't thought of is they don't really distinguish between good and bad fats. Um, and they're not distinguishing between uh, artificial sugar and um, fruit sugars and the way the legislation's put together. Basically, carb killer have found their way into it. So um, we get penalised for bad stuff, and we're a chocolate-coated product, so we've got a saturated fat content. As we probably know, um, you know, fat isn't necessarily the enemy. Excess calories are the enemy. But... Um, we so we get a, a, a sort of a slightly negative rating only just based on the fat content, and then because of that, you get absolutely no recognition for all the good stuff. So we get no recognition for low sugar, nothing for high protein, nothing for the fiber content. So basically, as far as this legislation is concerned, we're the same as a Mars bar or any other chocolate bar, which has got potentially 30 times more sugar. But this is the type of just blanket, one size this fits all. Rule. So again, like I said, depending how this whole COVID situation finishes, if it ever does finish, we'll come out of that into uh, a, a, almost like a nutritional crisis where, I mean, olive oil falls foul of it, you yeah. know, 
nuts all being there because they're high in high in fat. And you think, who's making these decisions? Yeah. Um, and again, we've got tons of MPs on the side. We get MPs email us going, we love Carb Killer. Like, you know, we've lost three, four, the one guy's lost three or four stone this year, having, you know, one or two bars a day instead of the stuff he was eating. And yeah, you know, we make supplements. You don't need supplements if you've got a perfect diet. The problem is the vast majority of people don't have a perfect diet. They're pretty busy. And actually supplements are a great way for them to make a healthier choice, you know, when they're out and about and doing stuff. So, um, as I said, you just think, who's making these decisions, yeah. really? So this is going to be an interesting 18 months to follow, definitely. Yeah, and it's going to be difficult for our industry. And I think I think we're now primed for the battle that's ahead, mm-hmm. I think, for the first time. I mean, I, I spoke to James about this in depth. Like, in the 10 years that I've been around, and likely the, the what, how long you've been around? Uh, well, not on Se- Earth, 44 70, years. years. <laughs> I mean, you've been in the uh, industry. I have a lot. This is my thirtieth year. So, I, yeah, I walked into gym when I was fourteen years old, and you know, like I've got got the bug for it. Um, and you know, I've I've had every job in the fitness industry, including you know, being a being a personal trainer. Um, and I've seen a lot of stuff come and go, but I've seen, you know, health and fitness evolve over the last thirty years. Um, and you know, we're we're far from you know, it, we're not impervious to recession and whatever, but it's a pretty robust industry. You know, people take the health and fitness, especially in the mental health, pretty seriously, luckily. And again, thank God we're in a fairly robust industry where people do want to go to the gym, you know, and, and it's something that's actually part of their routine. It's not like, you know, going to a restaurant where they think actually, you know, we'll just eat at home. Yeah. You know, people do want to go out and do this. So we're, we're quite, dare I say, lucky. Um, but, I, you know, I saw this, you wouldn't, you wouldn't remember it, but I saw this years ago when I remember when VAT was introduced on gym memberships at the stroke of a pen, um, probably, 15 years ago now. And again, you know, one hand you're saying, yeah, we want people to go to the gym and get healthy. And on the other hand, they're saying, but we're going to tax you to do it. Yeah. You think it doesn't really make sense. Again, you know, when people are healthier and it's saving the NHS money, and this is statistically proven that healthier people go to the NHS less, which costs, you know, billions as we know. So, um, but yeah, they want to tax you for making a good decision, which just seems entirely unfair. It is entirely unfair. And we're still running off, you know, dinosaur concepts like like the bmi i've got my yeah, my, yeah, yeah. My, my seven-year-old niece she's mixed race and she's you you couldn't pick a pinch of fat on her because she's heavy boned she registers as obese yeah uh, not obese but she, she's she's touching towards that end of the scale and that's what they're telling her at school at nine years old that she's overweight you've got that issue you've got them closing gyms all this year you as you say you've got what they're trying to do to to supplement products next year it, mm-hmm. it's well, that's just overall food, as in. I mean, again, I get the just fact blanket, you know, a blanket it's just, category, it's just yeah. blanket unhealthy food. The weird thing is, so they're not targeting supplements. Supplements are kind of getting caught uh, caught up in it, and potentially again, this is this is um, this is our, our bars, which are going to get caught up in this. And again, you know, they're not banning it from sale. It's just things like multi buys. Now, again, we don't really do multi buys, so that's not an issue for us. But um, we do find it's going to be difficult where, you know, we want to promote a healthier choice in a supermarket versus something that's unhealthy, we won't, won't be allowed to do it. Weirdly, there's talk about some flex as well, if that's the right word, in this legislation where the size of the bar, it might only happen over with a bar of a certain size. So theoretically, uh, a 60-gram carb killer, which, you know, might be 214 calories, they're talking about putting a 200-calorie cap on it. So a small chocolate bar that is under 200 calories, say 199 calories, can be advertised and promoted, which has got potentially, which is 50% sugar. But then one of our bars, which has got 
nearly no sugar, but might be 14 calories over the limit, is deemed as unhealthy. It's this is just I've been saying this all year. This is one of those crazy things where, you know, what what we wanted to do with, say, the the bars, like I said, is just give people an alternative. As in people love eating chocolate. I love it. Everyone loves it. It's Christmas. Everyone loves eating chocolate. You know, who doesn't? And if you want to have that as a treat, great. You can't have it every day. You know, it's like we're we're really big believers in sort of, you know, balance and, um, you know, think, enjoy yourself in moderation and whatever. And another one with drinking, you can't do it every day. You know, you can't do, you can't train every day. Um, so, you know, everything in, in moderation. The, the government advice really up until uh, a year ago, and I don't know if you ever heard the adverts on, on the radio and on the TV, and it was about these 100 calorie snacks. They're obsessed with calories. And again, I get that. But they're saying, you know, if you want a chocolate bar, have a carrot. You think, who's doing that? <laughs> no, no one is getting Christmas Day thinking, I can't wait to get my stocking full of carrots. I mean, you know, it just doesn't make any sense. No one is making that. It's not a, it's not a real it's life not substitution, yeah. you know, is it? So we thought, actually, if you want a chocolate bar, you're better off having a carb killer. It's half the calories, a lot less sugar. Satisfying. Yeah, it's healthier. Is it healthy per se? Well, no, having a chicken, you know, salad with no dressing is healthy. But again, people don't want to do it or can't do it. Yeah. And I think, you know, they think everyone's sort of stupid and have to be told what to do and what they can and what they can't eat. I'd imagine everyone knows a carrot is better for you than a chocolate bar. Do people want to do it? Probably not, because nobody wants to be that miserable. No, they <laughs> so, don't. You, you want the um, fine line in the middle. Of course you, you do. Yeah, you? exactly. So um, I think, you know, it'd be very interesting to the 12 months in terms of what happens coming out of this. I think we're in the right place to fight it, though. I, yeah, I think definitely. for the first time, as you say, we've got that level of unity now and that many people sort of... Uh, awake to where we are right now and how important that we are. And if, uh, as you say, in, ter- in terms of obesity costs to the NHS, why government would not be getting behind the likes, likes of any 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 healthy or healthier substitute from normal chocolate, given that, you know, obesity is costing, costing the NHS 9 billion a year, costs mm-hmm. wider society 35 billion a year. So the amount of money that we could save and the amount of health that we could save as a country if we actually started endorsing the alternative products, which is a minefield for them. I get that because then they've got to tackle the sugar industry and everything yeah. else. Yeah, to, yeah, just, yeah, yeah. You know, it, it, I, I get that it's difficult, but we should be able to have them conversations and it shouldn't be one broad blanket uh, ban or awareness across all products. As you say, it should be right. These fall into this category. These fall into this subcategory, and that, that, that's how it is. These have benefits. These yeah. don't. Well, the framework for this HFSS as well started in 2003. I mean... It's a different world. Come you know. a long way since so, yeah, 2003, yeah. 17 years. You know, again, I think we know a lot more now. There's a lot more choice uh, now that you know that, than there was. Um, but just going back to the campaign as well, um, obviously, you know, Grenade, we stepped in as well. We saw what you were doing. Um, we stepped in. We mobilised the town. People thought least, we wouldn't yeah. do it. Um, but who else has been sort of supportive with the campaign and did that? I mean, that went ridiculously viral in terms of the campaign with having the orange tank outside yeah, the, Parliament. The, 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 also, so I've got to say this as well. We know it's not a tank. It's an Abbott self-propelled gun. I'll have 100 people go, it's not a tank. It's not a tank. Yeah, I know it's not a tank. But for most people, it's orange, it's armoured, it's got a big gun, it's a tank, it's fine. It's a self-propelled gun. But yeah, t- I have to do that now just for the um, tank nerds, of which I'm one, but... Okay, well, for us non-tank specialists, Ooh, got it, it, it looks like a tank. Yeah, it does, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's no, not that, a that, submarine. Yeah, that, that, that was huge, and that, that was the first... That was good sub- fun as well. Yeah, it, 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 it was... That got a lot of people's attention. Like if we didn't already have a significant portion of the country watching, we got the rest of them watching. You know, it, it's not a... A tank outside Parliament is one thing, and an orange tank is an entirely different conversation entirely. Do you know what well, I mean? Do, do you know as well? We're all about 
making serious product, you know, for serious people, but actually not taking ourselves seriously and, you know, not doing anything wrong. It's all perfectly legal. And again, it's tax exempt. It's MOT exempt. It's congestion charge exempt. So, uh, you know, we can roll around all day long. And I, th- I thought we'd probably get a bit more negativity actually yeah. with that. We got a little tiny bit, which you always do. Um, you always get a few people pop up and say, oh, you know, you're killing the planet and polluting everyone and, and, and whatever. Um, we just tell them it runs on vegetable oil. Um, it doesn't, but they don't know that. Um, yeah, you, you guys took a gamble, and that, that for we me did was, actually, yeah. yeah, that was that was that was the biggest thing thing for me because as I said to James, like I'd, I'd spoken to several other companies who I won't name in this context, but I will in others who were like, we really want to get involved, but we need to check with X, Y, yeah. and Z. We need to go through this red tape, that red tape, and I'm like, guys, it's I, I appreciate now. you saying yeah. that, but yeah, if you wait till that point it's over like if it, if it's a positive result it's over if it's a negative result it's over you're going to wait until the fight ended and the entire industry as you know we're like okay who's going to step up for us who's going to represent the industry after having five ten years of perfectly smooth business where yeah. everybody's just yeah. oh we're for the people everybody's for the people you know we care about our customers well now is the time you, we- you either step up or or, or you you've been of shift for the last 10 years yeah we had um i mean i personally i had a tiny bit of negativity um in fact i tell you how it came about i think it was probably the neil or james that um uh, messaged rang me and said look we want to do this the tank nick's uh, doing what he's doing um we think we should do this come and get the tank into london it's just an easy yes from me absolutely yeah let's 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 do it um you know for all the reasons that we've said i had a tiny bit of negativity of people just saying about oh you're only doing it because gyms are shut and you sell bars in there um the vast majority of bars and stuff we sell aren't in gyms. Not in gyms, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, to be honest, you know, the, the gym sector for us is a lot of people will sell bars to go to gyms. Um, but, yeah, you know, obviously we're in Costa and WH Smith and Boots and lots of the places that, I mean, okay, Costa were closed. Um, but, you know, the vast majority of other places that, that we sell products and, and you know, bars have, have, have been open all year. Um, trading's been weird in terms of moving things around and, you know, operationally and logistically having the right products in the country at the right time. And we were sending bars out to the US, which we stopped and came back again. So logistically, it's been horrible. But otherwise, you know, touch wood, um, you know, yeah, I wouldn't say our business is unaffected this year because no one's been unaffected. Um, but yeah, that certainly wasn't the reason that, that, yeah, that, that we did it at all. You, you could tell it was genuine from how how bold it was. Yeah, At least from us on the campaign, we were like, right, okay, that's that's a risk. You, you're taking a tank outside parliaments in yeah. London, do you know what yeah. I mean? While, whilst national tensions are at their highest, you could have just done, you could have just done an Instagram video. You could have done anything, but you took a tank to London. So I said, right, right, these, these, these guys are, are serious. And I yeah. spent a lot of time on the phone to James and we, we, we spoke a lot on WhatsApp, didn't we? And yeah, it was genuine, and there were a lot of companies that stepped up who were genuine. And that, I that, think that, as well that made other people step up potentially because again, everyone I mean, copies yeah. what we you, do. You, so you, grenade do something, and everyone's like, "Oh, we should do it as well." Somebody had to yeah. take the step out onto yeah. the ledge, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you guys did it, and everybody followed. And that that I think is something for us all to bear in mind as we move into next year. That yeah. If we all just stand back, a lot of negative stuff's going to happen. But if if more people can be bold enough to take that initial step, or at least support those who do make the initial step, look at what we can do. Do you know what I mean? We, we, we've had national policy change twice within six weeks. Like, yeah. that, that never happens. No, it's massive. Not from one industry, and I anyway. think from the last time I looked, I think 615,000 signatures on that petition yeah. as well to that, keep the gyms huge. open. You, which, again, yeah, is not an easy thing to do. No. you could If you asked, if you asked all them same people to vote 
yeah. who they want to be uh, prime minister. Yeah, they probably wouldn't. They wouldn't. You'd no. probably get 15,000 if you were lucky. Yeah. So that's yeah. a testament to how much this means to those people. And um, people can't ignore that. They can't. No. And they, they said that. The MPs leading up to the debate, we were like, look, this very rarely happens. You're heading up towards a million. And the only time that's really been done in the last few years is Marcus Rashford has yeah, okay. push yeah. for the children's school meals. So, you know, it very rarely happens. And given that we're one of the smaller industries in terms of like the, the top 10 contributions to GDP, mm-hmm. the fact that we can generate that much, but you didn't see that for restaurants. You didn't see no. that for hospitality. You didn't see that for anybody else. No. There's no 615,000 uh, signatures on a petition to keep restaurants open or anything yeah. like that. So that, that is, that's huge. And that's without any planning. That was all completely yeah, natural. Completely it organic. just happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It just yeah. happened as it happened. If we'd have done that with some actual structure, you know, we, we, we could have achieved way, way beyond what we did. But I think this has set the precedent for moving forward to yeah, yeah, like yeah. you're talking about next year. We, we, we're together now. Do you know what I mean? We've stopped at least locally. I, I mean, I don't know about the upper echelons of the industry, but us locally, we've stopped fighting each other. Like the, the, there's yeah. none of this you, us, and, and, you know, the fact that like Pure Jim and David Lloyd stepped in, and that to me was huge because I've, and I hold my hands up, I've shit talked corporate gyms for years. <laughs> don't go to corporates. They're, they're faceless, they're evil, they're horrible. You don't want to go in there. They don't care about their members. They don't care about the, the communities or anything like that. And then day one of the campaign, we had the, the CEO of David Lloyd's on a Zoom to us, him personally, what can I do to help? We need to stop this. Do you know what I mean? And, and if that was just from a financial perspective, why he wants to get involved, he'd have got one of his... Yeah, one of his bodies yeah. to get yeah. in touch with us, but him personally. And then day two, we had the, the CMO of Pure Gym mm-hmm. onto us. Now I, I'd slated them personally many, many times. So you know, I, I had to eat my hat there. And I, I spoke to uh, I spoke to Stephen from Pure Gym, and he said, "Look, we come from one site originally." He said, "Look, mm. we, we are behind you 100. percent We've been careful navigating how we get involved up until this point because we didn't want to override it and make it look like it was the corporates yeah. trying to overturn this for a financial gain." He said, "What what you guys have added." as independent gym owners, as, as real people, individuals, you said the emotional element that you've added to this campaign, we never could have achieved with no. dozens and dozens of face. solicitors. Yeah, it Unfortunately, needs it, it was yeah. your face, but needed a face. <laughs> yeah, got- James Haskell probably helped as well. He's yes. a good lad, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's a good yeah, lad. Yeah, yeah. Like I said, everybody was alive then. Do yeah, you know what I mean? And yeah, that was, yeah. we, we had, we and had again, he can sort of get away with stuff that's because he's, because he's kind of likable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. As well. So I'm, I'm, I'm with Paul again, especially, do you know what I mean? You can't hate them guys. No, no, no. As much as you may want to, but you can't, I know. You can't, yeah, you can't I know. do it. And that Again, was... it's people are very good at what they do, who are likable, not taking themselves seriously, talking about a serious topic and being involved and doing it well. Yeah. It's hard to bash them. You yeah, know, it, it really is, is yeah. hard to bash them. But Especially make... when you're sat in a tank. <laughs> Sorry, self-propelled gun. <laughs> yeah. So it, it, it went really well. And we, we had everybody, as, as I've said in a lot of the, the press that we've done, from everyone from first year PTs to the titans of the industry like yourselves and Jim Shark on board. Oh, I'm a titan. I like that. <laughs> Take that one. I feel like Thanos. Thanos, yeah. I'll give you Thanos. <laughs> yeah. And everybody in like between. He's got, it's my chin, isn't it? He's got that, he's got those, his chin that looks like testicles. Yeah, that's exactly yeah, what Yeah, and I've, I've, got a, I've got a wizard's <laughs> chin. Yeah, never, I'm over it now. It's fine. Um, but I've got it as well. I mean, this has been a, a, a phenomenal, but also because we've alluded to this in terms of um, your past as well and some of the stuff that, that you've, you've, you've done and having dodgy knees. I've got to just say as well, because your past is fascinating <laughs> in terms of free running and the parkour um, and, you know, what happened in terms of uh, you working on the door and getting involved in the, the darker side of the industry and stuff. So do you mind just touching on some of this stuff just for, some, for some background? So, um Okay, so at what point did you start running around and then running at buildings and... Age 12. 
Okay. It was initially a case of having nothing to do. What do we do? Let's get chased by the police. Okay. okay. Let's climb on top of that rooftop. Let's get a chase from the police because it's fun. And so they, they don't follow you there, do they? They just... They try it, helicopters, horses. We, we had it all. And we, we used they got a horse come up at... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Flying, okay. flying horses. I'd need to say that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I've got visions of you sort of running up onto a roof. <laughs> I'm chasing the horse, horse back. Behind me, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, so, so we, it was initially just. Did you get that. a horse in a helicopter? It's probably one for another one. No, don't answer that. You could try that. Yeah. Okay, sorry. So you decide to. So you wind the police up. We used to wind the police up. Yeah, so we're, we're at 12 now, and we, we started doing that. And around the same time, I wasn't really fitting in in high school. I was getting in trouble all the time. I was fighting all the time. And they put me into it like a segregated. Why was that? In high, what was the it's difficult to say. I think I was, I was very unhappy at that age and I didn't want to fit in. I was, I was naturally quite intelligent. So I, I would, I would remain top set in school, even though I didn't attend, attend lessons. I just mm-hmm. didn't enjoy school. I didn't enjoy how forced it was. I didn't enjoy the fact that they didn't allow me to explore the things that I was interested in. So I just used to act out as, as a lot of young lads do. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I was fighting all the time. I was a, a really violent kid. I got arrested for fighting when I was like 12 years old. A, a really brutal fight. And then they segregated me at that point into a an isolated unit at the side of the school. So it was like a, a porter cabin with cage windows. This is you for the next four years. I was like, I'm, I'm not coming to school anymore. Mm-hmm. So I continued running from the police, whatever else. And we started to get noticed then by a little bit of press. And it was like, what are these guys doing? And it, it was uh, at, at the time, you know, we just discovered that it was a sport that originated in the south of France called parkour, later mm-hmm. to be known as free running. The art of movements is what we called it. So we started taking it a little bit more seriously. We got through 13, top end of being 13 years old. School basically wrote me a a planner that said, give me four days off a week to do stunt work with friends. So they give they, they knew they couldn't control me at this point. It was like, right, just let him do what he wants to do. Okay, so it was sounds a, amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was officially yeah, written. Into my, yeah, this, so it predated the, 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 uh, the emphasis on anti-truitin and everything else. I missed that by a year and, or two. And I'll tell you what, I'm going off topic now, but this is another... Um, institution, establishment, whatever we call it, in terms of education in the UK, which is inherently very, very broken. Yes. And if you don't sort of fit in that system because you're either very bright or you're not very bright, or, you know, if you're not in those those standards as well, school just doesn't work for There's you. Nothing there. And everyone I've spoken to on this, we had Steve Bartley on, he was saying the same. I hated school. I used to bunk off every week from school. I just found it really boring. Um, a lot of things you've said. I never acted out in terms of sort of throwing stuff and whatever, but I was always disruptive yeah. at school, but never sort of violently dis- disruptive. But I just find it so boring. Because you don't know what you want yet. I mean, no, I, I'm really. 30 now yeah. and I still don't know. Someone asked me now what you want to do in life. I still don't know. Yeah. So the chances of me knowing the answer to that yeah, question exactly. at 11 years yeah. old is slim to none. So at this point now, we'd start to get a bit more recognition. Our local newspapers come out, took some photos of us, stuff like that. So we, 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 we were like, something, something's coming from this. We don't really know what it is. So we... We enrolled a couple of local photographers, like, look, do you want to expand your portfolio? I mean, we were like 13, 14-year-old kids. Do you want to take some pictures for free and we'll do some jumps for free? Mm-hmm. So we got some photos together. A friend of ours who was doing, a friend of ours' brother who was doing web design in college, we make us a website. So it makes us this website anyway. It looks super professional. The photos are super professional. A couple of videos onto YouTube. All of a sudden, we're getting inquiries from big companies mm-hmm. like adidas was one of the very early ones now they've looked at the website seen how professional it is seen how professional the photos are seen my contact as team manager so i'm on the phones to like marketing directors at adidas at like 14 15 years old trying to negotiate my way through contracts I have an absolutely no idea what i'm talking about and I'm, I'm googling as i go we don't it never stops us yeah yeah, yeah. So so you just guess your way through yeah pretty like, much that's that all Jenny forever? Does, yeah. yeah yeah so we started mm-hmm. getting all this big work and then we went over to I flew over to France on my own at 14. I met a load of guys on the internet. It sounds 
terrible. That's a bit seedy. Like, yeah. Looking back on it now, I'm like, 14 year old kid goes to meet a load of American fellas in France. It's not. It's not. It could no, have not really. Ended yeah. Disastrously. Yeah. yeah but slightly it, suspicious. But yeah. we met them on the internet forum, and I went. They were from North Carolina. I went over to France. I met them guys. I met the founders of the sport, and they were doing something that I'd never really seen before. So we we've obviously we were just jumping across rooftops. We were just doing dangerous stuff. We were, it, it was. It, it sounds a bit crap, but having I've seen a lot of this as well, and it's fascinating to watch because it looks so effortless. Yeah. We, and it's inherently very difficult to lose. I love that, the art of movement. Yeah, it's difficult. Because it's, it's beautiful to watch. It's an obstacle course, but you, yeah. you, you're multi-story high. It looks high, so you know effortless. I mean? yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, you must be completely fearless. I'd shit myself far across yeah, all and, that well, stuff. Yeah, that's what I was getting to. So the guys that we met in France who founded it, we're used to just jumping roof gaps and a warm up, you know, how should we go top of this building to that building? Yeah, let's do it. So we get to the France and meets the founders who were a bit older than us. They were sort of like mid thirties and they were doing like push up drills, squat drills. And I was like, what's this boring crap? Do you know what I mean? And then by the, by the end of the trip, cause we'd been taking part in all of it. Cause these guys were like legends. Do you know what I mean? Mm. I'm like, hang on, these guys are in the thirties, the condition and they're still super fit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is obviously if we want, if, if there's, there's going to be any longevity here, it's going to be through doing this. So when we come back home, I was like, right, we need to take this to a different level. Do you know what I mean? We need to actually start drilling. And, and the discipline come from there. And my life changed from being negative and not knowing where I fitted into being one of the the leaders of our community. And we had all the kids across our entire city region with us, like hundreds of kids every weekend would come out, jump, climb, learn the basics with us. And we, we were all good kids. And there was, there was myself and a, another guy, and we were sort of like the leaders of the community and his family was heavily religious. So they had, they had really good morals. And you got a picture like a hundred kids on a weekend, all come from like scallywag backgrounds, doing voluntary litter picks in the community and stuff yeah, off their own yeah, backs. Yeah. There's no, there's no, there's no adult figure there. Do you know what I mean? And, and that- Isn't it, mate, you just hit the, the word. And again, I was thinking it before you even said it, it's that discipline. It just gave you some discipline that you just needed, that you weren't going to get at school by being shouted at. But I've said this time and time again with training. And again, when we had uh, the banjos on, you know, their, their discipline they got was through dancing um, and stuff as well, doing the dance. And if you can channel that somewhere yeah. in any form of training, whether it's, you know, dance, parkour, weight training. And I started weight training when I was like 13, 14. And again, it, it just gave me, just again, the discipline of training at home, putting the weights away, putting the weights out. It was just that, yeah, it just, taught me I think what school tries to force you to learn exactly and if you can get people to sort of learn it on their own it's really powerful and if you can apply that then to other aspects of your life just that bit of discipline yeah you kind of set at an early age it's really powerful I'm a big believer that actually people who train from an early age will always train the training might change depending what you want to do but you'll always do something it's the I think it's very rare yeah Yeah, it it sets it a really it's like that you know the navy seen analogy of making your bed in the morning you know it's the first thing you should do because then it set it puts you in that task orientated good decision making for the day of just getting stuff done basically 100 and and from from there it kind of escalated really fast and we got a good team together we were getting big jobs across the world we were doing adverts music videos we had huge sponsors we were sponsored by puma for a while converse like we lived a phenomenal life very early so we're being flown around the world at like 16 17 on business class you know what i mean like keep in mind for the first early years i still should have been in school and we're, yeah, we're yeah. floating around other countries on movie sets and it, it's a surreal experience and we met so many interesting people and the the unique thing about parkour was that everybody kind of shared that same mentality because of the level of discipline that it took to actually take the sport seriously. Everybody that you met was on sort of similar uh, frame of mind. Mm-hmm. So we could travel anywhere in the world and we'd have somewhere to stay. I had guys stay stay at my house from like all over America, Mexico, all across Europe because we were all on this forum. 
Mm. We all wanted to train with each other. And it was like, well, if I fly to England for a week, can I stay with you? If you fly to America, yeah, yeah, you can yeah, stay like with a us. Community. Yeah, so we built yeah. this massive community. And then coming towards the end of that was like uh, 2010, 2011, my knee started to give up. And then I, I, I went to my GP. I said, look, this is my issues. This is my career. What, what, what can I do? He said, well, you either take a year off, let them heal, or you keep going as you are. You'll need surgery and I'll put you off for at least two years. Mm. So I was like, okay, I've got no choice but to take some time out. So I, I stepped back from the performance side of things, managed a team for a little bit, joined a local gym. So I was like, right, I need to you do So something. when you've got bad knees, what do you need to do? Bodybuilding, that'll sort of out. <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, it's the idea was to strengthen everything up and just stay fit, just try and keep myself, try and keep my mental health good whilst I go through the rehab. So it was just going through the motions, joined a gym for the first time. And I, I had a pretty good frame to start with. And then I very quickly fell into the bodybuilding world. And, and that, that's where I started to lose my personality because it was a lot at once. So I'd gone from having a lot of local attention and exposure through the newspapers that we were in, through the mm. parkour and everything else to straight into bodybuilding, straight into the gym. And then I'm all of a sudden I'm around this world where the only thing that matters is image. Everything's, everything's and image. A, and do you know what's well? It's a very sort of isolating solo yes, sport 100%, as well. Yeah. And you've gone from something which is okay. Community-based. Yeah, exactly. That community, all of a sudden, it's kind of all about you. And I, I think that's a bit, it's 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 a tough one with uh, with bodybuilding. It's 100%. a very, very, very insular sport. And it's not just that it's about you, it's about me being better than you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, and that, looking better. Yeah, it's a and, really and dangerous path in terms of when it is just that visual aspect. It is, yeah. And you've got, you've got to have your your mental state has to be solid for you to get through that without without yeah. losing any of your personality. And I've come from a I've come from a sport where we're all about each other being better. There's no I'm better than you. There's oh yeah. you did that today and you couldn't do it last week. That's fucking awesome. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Good yeah. for you. Do you know what I mean? And we'd want we want each other to be better because that would then open up more possibilities for all of us. So coming into bodybuilding and it was like, right, everything's image. And I got consumed by it quite fast. As with everyone else, I got really interested in oh, it. I did I'm everyone, watching all the videos. Yeah, yeah. And I'm, yeah. I'm in the mirror all the time. I'm taking photos and measuring things. Am I stronger than that guy? Am I better? Am I, yeah, that doesn't, better you're measuring that, that, that never grows just to, yeah. <laughs> in fact, it looks proportionately smaller, but we won't go there. <laughs> so yeah, we, we've gone into that. And then within 18 months of being in the gym, I competed in my first bodybuilding show. I'd done the, the British Open in Manchester and I won the Junior Mr. Britain title. And it was still quite a, a small sport. This is 2012, so mm -hmm. it, it still wasn't at the point where the industry boomed. The end of 14 with Instagram and everything else. It was yeah, still yeah, relatively, yeah. relatively niche. Yeah. So then I won that show, and then I did some newspaper articles and some magazines stuff like that. And my ego started to grow, and I become more obsessed with image. Everything had to look great all the time. Everything had to be perfect to the point where, like, I would spend more time getting ready to go into a store than I would spend in the store just to make sure I look good in the store. Do you know what I mean? And it really started to consume my personality and I become obsessed with power, control, image. And then that, that kind of escalated to then, then I started working on the doors in Liverpool. Not because I wanted the money, it just become like a cool thing to do. Yeah, because I did that, it becomes the next step. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, a cool thing yeah. to do, yeah. And then I, I, I'm having my, my shirts like tailored around the arms so they're even tighter. I've got a big skinhead. I'm snarling at people because obviously my eyesight... Oh, I never needed to do that. My, my eyesight's <laughs> not great. So when I've got my glasses off, I'm, I'm sort of like, like screaming. My, my, mine wasn't, yeah, I had laser eye surgery. Yeah, so did I in 2009. Yeah, 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 exactly. It was worn off. Yeah. <laughs> really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They, oh, they promised me they'd fix it and then they told me they never agreed to that. So yeah. That's another story entirely. But yeah, so I started working on the doors now. I've got this 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 reputation now of being the big guy, the bodybuilder. Because it's like a suit of armour, isn't it, as well? Yeah, almost. you feel invincible. Yeah. And I, I look back and I, I like a cringe looking at photos or posts I made back then, do you know what I mean? But the, I started to swim in 
darker circles as you do on the doors. Liverpool City Centre, of course, that's what's going to happen. And then, obviously, the social circle that I find myself in, everybody from sort of the life previous now starts to drop off. And then it's like, all right, okay, I've met X, Y, and Z guy who are in the drug business. Oh, Nick, you've got mates all over the world, haven't you? Do you think we could do this, this, and this? So then that escalated quite fast from me just being a guy that worked on the doors who was, who was an arrogant prat to exporting drugs around the world, exporting cannabis and ecstasy across Europe and bringing stuff in. And I got more and more lost in that world because then I've got tons of money around me and it still wasn't money that that bothered me. It was the power. Mm. It was the power of other people and the amount of people that I had around me and the more and more money I'd make, more and more people I had around me. I had a, a 15 bedroom apartment in Liverpool city center. I had like hundreds of people around me who were just there for what I now know is the ride. Do you know yeah. what I mean? They, and knowing they you, this isn't that. you either. You can, it just isn't you. Not, not at all. No. And I, but it, I got so consumed by all of it and so consumed by all these new people who were all over me all the time. that I didn't really see the amount of good friends I had who were dropping off. Yeah. And all of a sudden yeah. my social circle has gone from a group of really good people to people who are obsessed with wealth and things and power mm. and I, I was so miserable. I, I was I was wealthier then than I had been at any point in my life. I was making 15, 20 times what I am now, and I was so miserable. I, I, I was miserable the whole time, and in, in, inevitably that led to me being arrested. And then I was I was given six years to serve three years for important cannabis and ecstasy to Jersey. And then I go to jail, and that, and that process, and, and just let me say, going to jail is probably the best thing that, that, mm. that could have ever happened to me. It was either, either I ended up shot dead, I end up with a much bigger sentence. The fact that I got arrested at that time and went to jail, I think, is a blessing for me personally. Mm. And I goes away, and in the first few months of being away, the the I fully reconditioned myself psychologically. And the thing that triggered that was we had a a big frame on the wall. It was it was probably about this big, and it's where you put your pictures up. And all the pictures that I had sent in initially were all parties, champagne, fancy cars. So I've covered my wall and all these these new people, and all the letters are coming in for the first week. Oh, I miss you so much, Nick. It's all the new friends. Mm. As the weeks go by and the months go by, them letters get less and less. And then you see old friends start to pop up. Yeah. And my pictures on the wall start to change week by week. I'd take two down and I put two up of old friends. And all of a sudden that canvas that was initially all it's parties and wealth. Of your life. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's gone from that to, right, everything's sort of wore off now. And you can see and it here's changing. the original yeah. people that I had, yeah. And that's what I wanted on my wall to, to make me happy was memories of a time prior to that. Yeah positivity, good people, people who didn't want for things. We were just happy with what we had. Like, and I, I, I grew up extremely poor. Like we used to rob the back of Tesco's and restaurants just to eat tea. Do you know what I mean? We, we, me and my best friend Kyle shared a single mattress on the floor for the best part of five years. We had nothing mm. and we were happy. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Because we were in good surroundings and I'm a strong believer that association breeds similarity. And if you're around a lot of negative people who are just obsessed with getting the next best thing mm. you're just going to be consumed by it so that yeah, that, that was a transition for me to go from somebody i was extremely proud of to somebody that i don't even want to associate myself with and the only reason i talk about it is because i think it's important for people to hear yeah that it isn't all what it's cracked up to be to coming back full circle to where i was originally and the, the time that i spent in prison after getting past that point I was working for, for charities in there. I did a whole lot of stuff on mental health in there. I was working for a charity called Recycling Lives. And I did a lot of, um, I'd, I'd done a lot of literature for them to use in the prison about healthy exercise and dieting in prison, how they could tailor like the, the prison diet and the canteen to suit them best mm. rather than just eating crap and crap. Because it's so easy for you to 
have your mental health destroyed in prison, as you can imagine. Yeah, you, sure. you're, you're in a cell 23 and a half hours a day with nothing to do other than watch channel one, two, three, and four, and that's and it. Could you train in prison? They have gyms in prison, but getting access to the gym is Difficult. near impossible. Yeah, and I, I, I sat on what they call the prison council, which is basically just a, a band of prisoners that speak to the governor. And mm. we had a lot of stuff overturned. We had a lot of the nutritional stuff overturned. We had a lot of the gym access increased, outdoor exercise increased. So. Uh, I did a lot of positives with the time I had in there. And when I come home, I was like, right, I've spent the last three years wishing I could do anything other than be sat in that cell. So I'm going to live my life how I did originally, mm -hmm. 100 miles an hour. I'm going to fill every day with everything that I can. I'm going to help as many people as I can. I'm going to achieve as much as I can, experience as much as I can. Because when are you going to start doing that? I'm joking. Next year, maybe. Yeah, yeah. I just wanted <laughs> some know, time to rest in between. Do, do you know, do you know what what there's mean? a funny story about prison food and nutrition. We regularly get asked by um, prison service to make pro to provide protein bars for prisons, but our protein bars are too high in protein. They have to be lower in protein because they don't want the prisoners getting too big. I'm serious. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. You're limited to 100 kilo in most gyms. You can't lift in, in most prison gyms. Yeah, you can't lift over 100 kilo. That's true. You can bench 100 kilo, but you can only squat 100 kilo. You just can't go over 100 because they don't want you too big. They don't get too yeah, big. It, no, it, it, I didn't know about that. Makes sense. I didn't know you were limited to the weight you could lift, but I'm surprised again they limit them to yeah, the size of the they, they, do they that. can see you. They, they limit you from going to the gym to... They didn't like my suggestions. We wouldn't lower the protein content in our bar, so I just suggested only let them make it half. Yeah, so, so I didn't think I was a solution. The thinking so. is, if you go to the gym and you get muscular and you, you get strong, you're going to be an issue. But what they don't realize, by not giving people access to exercise and proper nutrition, <laughs> you're making them frustrated, depressed, angry. Which is more of an issue. Exactly. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and that, again, is a failure of the system of not recognizing, you know, what's what's right in front of them of this is healthy and this isn't healthy. Mm -hmm. And and I, I, I think at least my goal for next year is to just try and increase that awareness mm -hmm. and try and bring information to those who clearly don't have it of how important we are. Do you know what I mean? Because we, we, the mental health of this country at the minute is in tatters. We, we were sat at, in March, we were at 9.6% nationally. We're at 19.2% now. We've more than doubled. Mm. Um, we got suicides at an all-time high. So yeah. the, 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 the topic of conversation moving into next year, I, I think should be mental health and the benefits of our industry that expand beyond just the muscular, do you know what I mean? Looking more internally than we do externally, because you can look great externally. Uh, as, and, as I've and heard you say in one of things, yeah. you felt worse than you ever did. So did I on stage, that absolutely destroyed me. Like it, I, I still suffer today with eating disorders that I picked up when competing. Like it, it's not. Yeah, I competed in 1993 and- three uh, years old. Yes, yeah. Uh, and again, that, that, that first diet that I did, yeah, I, I definitely picked up an eating where I set my alarm in the middle of the night to get up and eat because um, I'm having regular meals and whatever. And that stuck with me for sort of 30 years. So to this day, I'll still wake up in the night again now. I'll, I'll put like a shake or a bar by the side of the bed. So I'm not wandering around the house, yeah. you know, eating sort of anything. But again, yeah, isn't it weird? You can, that conditioned me to sort of, you know, change my eating habits almost, you know, forever. Luckily, that's not that bad. Yeah. But you can see how you can really condition your body for sort of, um, you know, negative habits, easier than positive habits. Um, yeah. So I can completely see how, and you know, I've said many a time, when I've looked my best, I've felt my worst. Felt and yeah. now, like I said to you earlier, I was showing you my gym. I've trained for 30 years. I love training. Um, if I can't train, it doesn't bother me. I, you know, if I miss a session, I'll, I'll do it the next day or whatever. I don't beat myself up over it. Um, but I do it because I enjoy it, yeah. not because I feel I have to do it. 
Um, That's and, the best way. Yeah, and I, I just, you know, I've said many times again, I don't really care. I look, I just like training. I like all forms of training as well. So, and hopefully I'll, I'll, I'll train for the next 30 years. Um, so I completely understand what you're saying about, you know, looking one way, feeling another. Um, and yeah, it, and it's fantastic. And you've had this experience as you're still young and, and actually you can apply all that stuff you've learned. Life's about learning and you've learned so much, but aren't you glad you learned it now than in 20 years time? Oh, 100%. Yeah, yeah. 100%. So what do you think is going to be next for you in future then so what what what's next so we've i've got a a, a little snippet here that says brian rose has approached you <laughs> yes <laughs> uh brian reached out uh, brian backed the cause really well to be fair to him and he's uh he brought a whole lot of exposure to it regard regardless of his political views the exposure that he brought to the campaign was huge yeah and he's he's currently second in the running for london mayor and he, he reached out and he said look will you be my I forget the exact term he used, but he wants me to be his uh, his fitness guy, basically. Yeah. Okay, like an advisor to the fitness yeah, industry. Yeah, 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 yeah. His health yeah. and fitness advisor, yeah. if he was to be uh, made mayor of London. Now, I, I've had a few similar offers in our local uh, our local council and Labour had indicated you know similar sort of feelings, but I don't know if that's the best way for me to go in terms of reach. It seems like, uh, as, you, as you said at the beginning of this podcast, it's not a it's not a career you'd wish on anybody. No, at all. And no matter what you do, you you're going to annoy x amount of people. You're going to please x amount of people. You're never going to be. You're not going to get job satisfaction. I don't think because you're no. going to be subject to so much stick. No matter what you do. And the thing is, now you've picked up this enormous social media following, um, which again, there's pros, but there's cons, um, and s- certainly no pun intended. Um, but certainly now as well, where the latest and we've alluded to it in this podcast but i think the um yeah you've had some stick about this like this money you've raised someone's accused you of going on holiday with it or, yeah, or something yeah. oh that that, that that's been a, a whirlwind that side of things so I, i've been the, the center of three or four conspiracies now the the first of which was that i was uh it's one of the movies we did in 2008 danny dyer and if you google my name you find that and one of these guys had found it and then basically said that this is because I wouldn't attend a protest, by the way. They've deemed me a government actor and everything everything that's gone on in the entire campaign, including the police presence, has all been set up to then make me a public figure so that then I could encourage people to wear masks in private businesses and I get paid for this, apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, oh, man, you look as lost as I was when I heard it. That's, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, it's almost uh, as bizarre as you nearly being in a Harry Potter film, but you look too old. <laughs> yeah, too old for that one, yeah. I looked there. Uh, <laughs> two or three years older than I was meant to be, yeah. <laughs> That's actually true, apparently. Is that, is that yeah, true? Yeah, yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. We did that job in uh, 2011, I think. So four of our lads went on to do the job eventually. Um, I wasn't allowed in because I was too muscular. I, uh, I didn't, didn't think it was believable. Hagrid, didn't you? No? <laughs> yeah, Hagrid, yeah. Hagrid was, was taken, unfortunately. But um, Nick, I could talk to you all day. Honestly, fascinating story. It really is. You've got a friend here for life in me and Grenade. You know that. Um, can't thank you enough for what you've done for the industry. Incredibly selfless as well, what you've done. You come across brilliantly. Um, I'm so glad you come today and done this and sort of got the story out there um, as well. An absolute pleasure. And I feel we could have a part two coming on as well because there's so many tangents. That, yeah. we, so many tangents we could have gone off there. But um, thanks so much for all you've done. Thank you, Al. Thank you to everybody at Grenade who's been behind us the whole way. Anytime. Brilliant. Thank you. So that was the latest edition of Pull the Pin with me, Alan Barrett. And this week we had Nick Whitcomb. What a legend. And if you've enjoyed listening to this as much as we've enjoyed making it then remember to subscribe and uh, we'll be back with you soon